Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Let's face it, the future is now. We're living in a connected cyber society, and we need to stop ignoring it or pretending that it's not affecting us. Join us as we explore how humanity arrived at this current state of digital reality and what it means to live amongst so much technology and data. Knowledge is power, now more than ever. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. All right, here we are. We're on Redefining Society. And for the people watching the video, you'll see there is two people here and it's not just uh, me and Sean as often happen. It's actually a guest, David Waugh, join me. How are you doing, David? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Marco. Very good, very good. Just wanna, wanna make people listen in the audio only that, uh, that you're here. So a little introduction about what we're gonna talk about. So it's Redefining Society, where we look at how technology is affecting society in the good and the bad and how maybe uh, cultural changes are driving technological changes, or as many times happen, is the other way around. And uh, often we talk about education. It's a big part of our society. It's a big part of, you know, of course, educating the next generation. And uh, and oftentimes, technology, uh, it's part of the conversation. And when technology is part of the conversation, I think David will agree with me, Cybersecurity, it's going to take a slice of, <laughs> of the picture, of the action. So uh, I'm going to start to introduce David. On, actually, I'm going to let David introduce himself and, uh, and tell us uh, what he does, uh, why he's the, a good person to have this kind of conversation. And we'll dig in about this relationship between education, schools, technology, cybersecurity, with a focus on cybersecurity and why school has become maybe a target, maybe a little too much. David, up to you. Thanks, Marco. Um, pleasure to be here this afternoon. Uh, again, my name is David Waugh. I am uh, one of the founding team members and the chief revenue officer of a company called Managed Methods, Inc. Uh, Managed Methods is a company that's dedicated to cybersecurity, data protection, and student safety, specifically for K-12 uh, educational organizations around the world. Uh, we're based just outside of Denver, Colorado, in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains at a place called Boulder, Colorado, home of the University of Colorado at Boulder. And um, we've, we've been in the market, uh, you know, going on six years now. And, and um, again, we're focused on this topic, cybersecurity and student safety and data protection for our school systems, um, public, private, you know, we work with them all, big, small, everybody's impacted by it. So that's why 
I'm happy to have this conversation about this topic because it's very near and dear to me, not only for my day-to-day business, um, but in my personal life. You know, I have children like many of the audience members I'm sure do. Um, my wife works in elementary education. I have a, a high school boy and a, uh, a middle school or junior high, depending on what part of the country you are. Uh, but <laughs> she's, she's, uh, you know, she's in the system as well. And, you know, between the two of them, I see technology in action nonstop. Um, yep. you know, and, and so it's, it is a very, very important topic. And like you said, Marco, yes, you cannot have a conversation about anything technology related these days without bringing in the conversation of the cybersecurity angle. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when, when we started ITSP magazine, it was the relationship intersection between society and cybersecurity. And we added technology in general. And at that point said, we can talk about anything. I mean, literally anything at this point, because every company is a technology company uh, nowadays in a way or another. And again, if you're in technology, there is a cybersecurity. Now, I'm wondering uh, if if a lot of people listening that are not in the cybersecurity industry may be wondering why it's such a big issue that there are companies like yours that are specializing in this. And... And why maybe, and I'm, I'm saying, you know, reading the news and everything, you, you don't really hear much unless something really bad happens. So how, how much is this a relevant topic in, for schools and, and institutions versus the, what could be the impression and, and the overall feeling of the regular people, even if they have kids in school? I mean, do they... Why don't we talk about this more and why do we need to talk about it more? Well, I think the first way to position this is why it's relevant to everyone in society is, you know, at least here in the U.S., everybody pays taxes and tax dollars go to fund um, our public schools. And in some cases, that money trickles down into the private sector and private schools and other areas. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of people take for granted if they don't have children, like, oh, I'm, they, they don't pay attention to the topic of schools, but in some way or form, it always comes back to impact our society. Second is parents. So many of your audience, um, are people like me, they have school aged children and, um, you know, not only am I concerned about the well-being of my children and their social emotional aspect in, in school and, how the school and the technology and the curriculum play a part of that, but then protecting my children. You know, the, the, the conversations when we talk about schools and school protection, the, obviously the sad one that gets front and center is the physical security because of violence and other things. But um, technology is front and center with everyone today. You and I, every, everybody, technology's in their life and it's in front of them, but it has come front and center in the education world uh, especially within the past five plus years. And then during the impacts of the global pandemic, that's the only way schools were able to continue on was through advancements in technology. So I think that, you know, a lot of people maybe are not aware of how big a problem it is. And when I say problem, the threat to the global K-12 system, and, and simply because if you just look at it, Marco, and you're a technology guy and you get it, when you look at the landscape of technology, I spent my first 25 years of my career working with, you know, Fortune 1000 
companies and commercial data centers and enterprise technology where they have a, a focal point and a, a, a view on technology and, and budgets and expenditures and then protecting that technology. Education was a, was kind of a laggard in not only adopting technology, but then, of course, as they adopted technology, just due to ratios of funding and resources available, they don't have, you know, vast IT departments that have maybe the pedigree, you know, when it comes down to things like cybersecurity. A lot of times within school districts, you know, around the world, they're just trying to keep the lights on, keep the network connected and make sure that the classroom day to day flow happens. And so over the last, you know, five years or more, the K-12 education market, if you would, has moved into the top five most targeted for cyber attacks. And this is according to annual studies put out by like Verizon, IBM and others. And there's an organization out there that even tracks it. Uh, an organization called the, the K-12-6 is a nonprofit that tracks these things and is an information exchange specifically around cybersecurity for K-12. And since 2016, there's been, you know, in excess of 1,300 uh, publicly disclosed cyber incidents involving K-12 public school systems in the United States. So, Marco, that's why this conversation is one that I think is becoming a little bit more mainstream. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when I present at conferences around the country, I've actually got a, a slide that I put up that is a slide that just builds. It's all of these media stories that have been ripped from the headlines over the past 12 months. And it fills the screen because a lot of people just, maybe they don't see it because they're not following it in their mm. blog or their, you know, whatever their, their, their Twitter or, feed. Or, or, unless, feed. Or, or maybe unless it happens to the school where you're either teaching or you're part or your of the organization go. or your yeah. kids go there. So for those yeah. that may be lucky enough that they didn't get directly involved in this, can you give us some of the example of what kind of uh, attack are we talking about here? Are we talking about ransomware, data breach, yeah. uh, all, exactly. all of the above? <laughs> exactly. I mean, well, you know, what, what this past school year, you know, at the start of this past school year, what was the one that probably made the biggest national headlines? And that was LA Unified. You know, LA Unified, one of the biggest school districts in the United States, was crippled as a result of, of a cyber attack. And you know, you ask a good questions. Well, what are these attacks and, and why are these threat actors coming after school systems? You know, you're talking everything from ransomware attacks to phishing scams, account takeovers, malware injections, um, third party applications that get installed that have maybe inappropriate content and access into the systems. Um, and, and, and a lot of it comes into even just when we talk about cybersecurity incidents, sometimes internal data breaches that are you know, maybe not intentional, but it's so easy today in the world of cloud-based computing to overshare information. So, you know, when I talked about, you know, that, that organization that was tracking these things, people ask, well, why is it that, you know, cyber attackers are going after schools? Well, there's kind of two landscapes. One, ransomware money, and two is data. So, the median amount of money stolen from school districts during phishing attacks between 2016 and 2020 was $2 million, according to published studies from the K-12-6 research organization. So that the cost of one incident, you know, in, in one case was in excess of $10 million. So it comes back to what I was talking about earlier. Why should people care about these things? Because 
it's it's kind of like protecting the infrastructure of the power grid and because it'll impact us ultimately in our daily lives and as a taxpayer you know if if a school district is dealing with theft and loss of money and ransomware not only does it stop that school from being able to operate but then it just it's costing all of us money it, it you know it eventually is going to come back to impact us the other side of that coin is what are they after marco is they're after the data um how many children in the United States under the age of 18 have used their personally identifiable information, first name, last name, date of birth, social security number to apply for a credit card or a car loan or a, a, you know, a bank loan, whatever it may be. That's the ultimate goal that threat actors, why they're targeting the education community is because it's a treasure trove of data. So not only can they, hey, as long as we're in here and we have the data, we're going we're gonna to hold you for ransom because we want to get money up front. Might, might as well get anything we can while we're here. But the reality is what they're after is the sensitive personal information behind the scenes and other information from the school. So first and foremost, school districts, kiddos are a treasure trove of personally identifiable information that can be sold on the dark web and used for everything else. And, you know, I can point to countless situations of identity theft where school-aged children didn't know their identity had been stolen until they graduated and were applying for like college loans and other things. So it's and like a long-term long, a long investment? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. But, but they also, while they're in there, they can go after the staff data. So credit card information, financial information, bank accounts, you name it. So to answer your question, Marco, is it's a it's a bigger picture. And when you sit down and explain it to people, mm. you, you can see that light bulb go off. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. And especially a lot of people that may be in this audience, it professionals are probably all nodding their head and going, Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I oh, guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and last but not least, they're just, you know, they're, they're understaffed. So, I mean, this is a longer, obviously a longer conversation, uh, well, but, th but that's, that's the issue is they were, they were kind of defenseless. Let's go there. Cause that many times I'm going to think of, this system, the school system, like similar to when I talk about small business and cybersecurity, mm -hmm. they're not going to come after me. I'm not the big company, but you are an easy target because you don't have a cybersecurity team. You don't have everything in place. Maybe you don't even have the latest patch on whatever, mm -hmm. even old system you're using. And so they don't understand that it's actually a, a number game this many mm -hmm. times right so is this um a typical excuse that you find in school as well like we under stuff under budget nothing we can do about it or who is it going to pay for this right or if something happened who is going to cover the cost of <laughs> rebuilding exactly. or so uh, let's get to the next like stuff happen <clears throat> Now what? Now, does it really at that point somebody does something? And by somebody, I'm thinking government, state, uh, school board. Who, who is taking action at that point? Well, and that's been, that's been the challenge over the past, you know, five, ten years. In the past, five, you know, five years, really in the past three years, this has become a front and center conversation in Washington, D.C. and in every state capital around the United States, um, which led to the U.S. Congress passing um, the K-12 Cybersecurity Act of 2021, 
which then has led to uh, a recent publication last month where the um, CISA, the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, um, published a, a long-awaited um, guide on partnering to safeguard K-12 organizations in the United States. And so they put forth a guideline and the, 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 pub, the, the report, and it's publicly available to anyone out there, um, it's called K-12 Protecting Our Future Report. And they set forth guidelines, Marco, for that, you know, that question you kind of asked, because number one, it's about first and foremost, you asked the question about who's paying for this and what happens. Well, of course, just like in the business world, in the educational world, there is things like cybersecurity insurance available. But in the last five years, the cybersecurity insurance companies have started to crack down more to say, look, if you're not taking basic measures to try and safeguard yourself, then we're, we're either not going to insure you and underwrite it or we're not going to, you know, or your premiums are going to be sky, sky high. Um, and so, you know, it, it always boils back to funding, budget, money. That's always the first thing. You know, unlike in the say commercial world where, you know, large banks and financial institutions and manufacturing companies, they're they're making a profit. So it's, you know, their their business, they kind of have to do those things. You know, they have to reinvest in the business to safeguard their business. But in the education world, you know, it's a you know, it's we're still operating on 20, 30 year old models of how schools get funded by taxpayers, federal government, state governments. Because, you know, when I was a kid in school. We didn't have the computers. We had a computer lab, and there was no such thing as cybersecurity. It was it was like what? Who's going to steal? It wasn't, steal it wasn't yeah. even connected to the grid. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so a, it was yeah, like, okay. somebody <laughs> stole what? The screen? Yeah. Well, see, exactly. <laughs> cybersecurity was somebody, yeah, running out of the school, physically carrying the computer in their hands. Exactly. But, yeah. But it, it it and so again, the first and foremost, it's everything's out of date. All the laws, mm -hmm. all the 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 how you fund things, and so. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, our conversations with schools, exactly like you said, Marco, it's kind of like, well, who's going to pay for this? Or how do we how do we pay for this? Because in a lot of places in the United States, both on federal and, and state laws, money that gets raised by taxpayers through elections, bonds, mill levies, you name it. You know, in some places they have rules of like 80, 20, where 80 percent of the money that gets raised by taxpayers has to go directly towards the classroom in teaching the children. That's that's what it's for. It's for school. And, and it's not, you know, it's not earmarked to say, oh, no, this has got to go towards safeguarding the school when we're trying to either build new schools or improve physical safety. You know, you, there's all these challenges. So this report that CISA put out on K-12 protecting our future, they, 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 they basically have found some key findings where they're trying to set forth and say, OK, we need to stop and at least have a narrative now where everybody in the United States in K-12 and government is at least aware of this and is now talking about it. And there's a priority of investments on basic safeguards. So they're trying to put some protocols in place now to say, okay, look, we're not sure how we're going to get the funding, but we're going to put legislative policy in place that ensure that funding can then be done in some way, shape, or form, whether it's from the federal government, state government, taxpayers, elections, you name it. And then they're, they're laying out rules to say, okay, we have to put basic things in place like multi-factor authentication, um, uh, you know, 
implement testing and backups regularly, regular incident response exercises, threat prevention, things that a lot of times most school districts out there don't have. And in a lot of cases, it's because they don't even know it exists. Because, Marco, if you go into some schools in the United States, you know, well, 80% of all school districts in the United States are less than 5,000 enrollment. Many of those in a lot of rural places, Marco, they're less than 2,000 enrollment. And you go into their IT departments, and it might be one or two people, and that person that's in charge of IT might have they might be 18 months removed from teaching a class or they might still be teaching a class. So what's trying to happen now is it's a cultural society thing that that's trying to change now. And finally the federal government and state leadership in state governments are starting to listen to education organizations, nonprofits, vendors like us. They're starting to finally listen and wake up to it and say, okay, we need to at least put some policy in place, start a narrative, make some recommendations, and then figure out where to go. Now, of course, the report that came out from CISA is merely right now a report with some key findings and some, some basic recommendations. But a part of that is, is they are trying to put out some free resources like some digital toolkits and guides and things that will help people that are not necessarily trained in this at least get started. But it's still, there's no funding for it. Meaning it's not like this report came with, Oh, Hey, by the way, based on the size of your school, you're going to get a grant for X amount of dollars. That's not there yet, but it will get there because the Mm -hmm. more, the more we have these conversations, um, it, it eventually will get there. It's kind of like the conversation of, you know, helmet laws for motorcycles and seatbelts for car drivers. You know, how long did that conversation happen? And ultimately enough studies and facts and things came forth, whether you believe in it and agree with it or not, doesn't matter. But eventually enough conversations happened that finally, as a society, it changed. Now, again, there's still people that won't put their seatbelt on and wear a helmet. But point being is, at least now... This was a major milestone to have the federal government not only pass the act, Cybersecurity Act for K-12 of 2021, it was the first of its kind, but then now for the leading agency in the United States, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, the CISA, to, to now say, okay, we have a whole dedicated team to this now, and this is going to be a mission moving forward, and now it's got to trickle down to the states. Society. Society will change, ultimately. Society will become more savvy. Because if you look at society today, you and I, you know, I, you have better hair than I do. I, I've got gray hair if it's still there. But you, you and I were not born into the generation of this. Yeah. As you and I were kind of talking off camera before we got started, you know. I And for those listening, this is a smartphone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I raised, uh, raised up my uh, It's iPhone. okay. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Need, I need to tell the yeah. movie. Uh, That's right. To people that well, but I mean, to, to many of the listeners or viewers or however they're, you know, enjoying this today is you, there's going to be all different ages, just like within our company. Um, and I sit with my children, but I mean, I have staff members who, you know, weren't even born when I came out of college and had my first job. And, you know, they're, they're, just the societal conversations right there alone, because 
you know, I went through school, primary school in the United States and college where this conversation didn't exist because the problem didn't exist. And now you fast forward. And I think as our society ages, meaning more of the younger generation that has been born into and has grown up having the internet, you know, smartphones, tablets, laptops, being able to connect from anywhere, work from home. um, I think we'll get more advanced with our technology because when you talk about K-12 education, obviously there's a younger generation, a newer generation in our society that are now educators and administrators and working in school districts. And they're just, they're more savvy to it because they've, they've worked with it since day one. So I think, I think we're heading in the right direction. Are we behind schedule? Absolutely. I think the reason K-12 hasn't gotten as much attention, even though it's now in the top five most targeted uh, of cyber attacks is just simply, it's not as glamorous in the headlines. Now, again, LA Unified, one of the top five biggest school systems in the nation, when you cripple and shut down one of the biggest school districts in the nation, especially in a place like Los Angeles, it gets front and center media attention. So, but you know, talking about society, I mean, we we always talk about there is a a breach and people are alarmed and then we forget about it. We move on with our life. And then in the in the industry, we always say, you know, the, we're waiting for that big event that is going to change everything. Now, my personal opinion is that big event has happened. They haven't really changed much. I mean, the, and I'm going to connect with what you say. You know, someone who does follow, you know, socio- sociology and, and cultural changes, mm-hmm. you said something very important. Like technology is way much faster than than the societal changes, even less legislator and best practices and making regulation that are going to address that, especially when it's not a, a business decision. Mm-hmm. So when you go and, and talk to, to this school, I mean, who, who are you talking to? I mean, you, you talk to politician. I'm assuming you're not talking with a CISO. <laughs> so actually actually we are well not a CISO oh, okay very, good yeah very very few similar schools. yeah what we're you know every every school district out there has some form of technology leader person you know they, they may be called mm. the director of technology uh technology coordinator you, you get into the bigger school districts you know you get right. into bigger school districts and they operate just like a business a corporation you know you've got cool. a chief technology yeah. officer you might have a uh, some schools you know, you, you said a CISO. There are some schools, but I would say very few. You're, you're talking only right. your largest school districts that have uh, a CISO. And, you know, in fact, one of the biggest school systems in our country, you know, I won't name their name, but we work with them. We have for multiple years. This is a district that has up- upwards of 200,000 users in the school system between, you know, students and staff there, you know, they're upwards of 180,000 kiddos and, you know, 18 to 20,000 staff members. That's like, that's like a big corporation. You're talking 200,000 users on computers and a network every day. Mm -hmm. And, and yet their cybersecurity team consisted of three people, Mm -hmm. 200,000 to three. And yet you, you, you could almost have the same conversation with a rural school district here in Colorado that has 
a thousand kiddos and the IT department cons- consists of one person. You know, arguably you could say the smaller school, the ratios are a little bit better. So, so when we go out and talk to folks, you know, I just came back from a big, big, a big conference in the state of Texas. You know, I'm, I'm talking to the technology leadership of schools. I, I'm meeting with superintendents, um, occasionally school board members. But in general, it's usually um, the heads of technology and then their teams that deal with network computing or operating, specifically managed methods. We work with school districts specifically to s- secure their core communication, which is the email and file sharing. So that's either Google mm-hmm. Workspace um, which is your Gmail drive, shared drives, that kind of stuff. Uh, or it's the Microsoft 365 world. So exchange online, outlook.com, OneDrive, SharePoint, OneNote, Teams, Zoom. So we, we get attention quickly because that's the core communication. And in fact, a school mm-hmm. that we're a, a newer customer we recently bought on board, the superintendent's account had been compromised. And the attackers were using the superintendent's compromised account to then send targeted types of phishing emails to people in sensitive parts of the, of the district finance office about releasing funds or pay funds to these types of things. So we, we caught that and were able to isolate and understand the, the incident and help them thwart this attack. So when you, when you get the leader of a school district, the superintendent is essentially the CEO of a school when in, when that cyber incident is front and center right on their account, you usually can get their attention and have a conversation. Rather it quickly. got it so, got a little too close, right? Yeah, it got, exactly. it got too it close. Got too close yeah. <laughs> now you got the attention. Now you got the attention. Listen, Absolutely. I like to as we're starting to wrap. Of course, this is a large conversation that can be even brought to different aspects of you know. Is it about social engineering? Is it about training the people? Uh, having technology resolve all the problem that technology and people created or or maybe a mix of the two which is kind of like my my angle usually mm-hmm. um i always like to end with a look at the future i'm a you know a, a technology society futurist by interest and i love your opinion on how do you see things change as we move forward and not, not even go too far, you know, even five, 10 years from now? I mean, are you expecting some regulation to really take place and, and make a mandate in order to dedicate a certain budget to securing the school because the kids are involved? Uh, do you think it's something that is going to come more from uh, the public, the parents? Uh, I don't know. Uh, and as you're talking about that, where do you see the risk um, going? I mean, it's a, we're talking about mobile device. Uh, we're talking about the structure, the need for renovation of the school itself. So it's kind of like in general, what's your vision for, for the future of cybersecurity in K-12? Oh, wow. That's a, <laughs> that's a, a long conversation. That, you have you know, 30 we'll, seconds. Yeah, no, I feel like we need, have a, feel, feel we need like a, a bottle <laughs> no, of wine. Just, just, and, just a ra- well, you know, we, we could do that again. But, you know, just, just, a, just a quick I, thought. Of, I, you know. I, think, I think the – I'm frightened that not enough will change. I think mm-hmm. that in the – when you say like in the short term, if we talk like five years out, I don't see drastic changes um, – happening in the next five years i see more policy you know uh, i see more 
government talk where you'll have the federal government putting out certain mandates and then state governments either trying to go along with it or contradict. And a lot of that, of course, depends on the political scene of our society. Um, of course. Which it always does. And that's one of the big challenges, of course, with this audience of public uh, public education. But I think we'll continue to see technology take over the classroom more and more. We've we've already seen it. And a lot of that major industrial revolution type shift occurred because of the pandemic. So we we Mm -hmm. saw a whole different way that a lot of schools looked at technology and how they implemented and used technology as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. But now as we move forward, I think we've plateaued a little bit. I think as a whole society and at least education is like taking a deep breath, like, you know, like kind of just trying to catch up because there was so much that happened during the pandemic. And now with things like this report coming from CISA, I think that we will definitely see a lot of change in the next few years at the federal level when it comes to policy and maybe suggested regulations. I think we perhaps may see an overhaul to some large national laws like SIPA, the Children's Internet Protection Act, uh, which ties to E-rate funding, which is already right now being debated by uh, the FCC. And E-rate is, you know, for those of you who are not familiar, is money that is provided from the federal government for schools uh, based on telecommunications. But so I think, Marco, to your to your question, the first amount of change we're going to see is going to be, I think, at the policy legislative level. And then it's going to take some time for that to trickle on down to the schools themselves. But I think we're also seeing a major societal shift right now and awakening to what we're seeing in mainstream media. And this affects all society. And that is how the government and Silicon Valley are facing off on privacy, social media, you know, what's happening right now with the big, you know, social media giants in front of, you know, you know, Washington DC right now, that is going to ultimately have an impact on how things happen in the schools, because ultimately what drives everything with schools is laws that are set forth by the federal government that apply to funding. And when you basically cut off the funding chain and say, if you don't comply, you're not going to get the money then things automatically happen. That's how it always works. So I think what we're going to see is first and foremost, again, policy changes, some legislative legislative stuff. And then again, what will happen in society based on some of these social media battles between TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, you know, you name it. I think that's going to ultimately play into how technology and privacy and security is impacted on kiddos in our schools, because that's what's going to drive it. So it comes down to education. And I'm not just saying this because we're talking about education, but mm-hmm. because it is applied to everybody, yeah. even if you're not yeah. in school, obviously. If you don't know, you're not yeah. going to act. Absolutely. And, I, and I, I'm, a, I'm thinking like we can't just wait for the, the policymaker to do something, but we can actually accelerate mm-hmm. that by mm-hmm. using our public opinion and understanding that cybersecurity is part of our life. And, uh, and that's a big battle that professional like yourself and like the many that yeah. I talk with, those are the story that we have to say and we have to tell. And I'm happy to know that CISA, which are doing really good things, by the way, uh, with, yes. Uh, with, yes. with their leadership with Jen and, you know, Overly and and, and, and um, Chris Crab before that, uh, they're doing good thing. I think uh, 
public opinion is is important to put out these reports and, mm-hmm. and really say there is a problem here. Now that we found the problem, let's find the damn solution. Exactly. <laughs> so, it's it's yeah. it's this. It's having a conversation about it. It's it's why I, you know, manage methods. We go around the country and present at all these conferences about these topics. It's you know, yep. it's true. Sure, we want people to know who we are, but at the end of the day, it's the more conversations that like your podcast and, you know, ITSP mm-hmm. magazine have, and the more conversations that people have in public forums with CISA and other agencies, it, you're absolutely right. It's, it's awareness is the first thing we have to get people to understand. They have to know that there's an issue and then know that it impacts them, whether they're working in the education community or whether they have kiddos in it, if not, they're paying taxes to it. So there's, it, yep. it involves everyone. Absolutely. And then eventually it's going to affect family as well. As you say, if the data privacy, the private data of, of a kid, it, they're going to held there. I'm pretty sure that you can cross reference to parents as well. I mean, who is the one that is paying for, for the thing? So if you think about it, it's everybody's problem again, right? Absolutely. So Absolutely. Uh, big, big conversation. I truly hope that people listening, they have a lot of questions in their head because that's what I feel like we had a successful conversation, like question, maybe go in and ask to your school board, uh, mm-hmm. what are we doing here about this? And, you know, <laughs> maybe maybe we need more conversation about this. And I appreciate what you, David, uh, going around conference and talking about it and, and the company that is that is actually uh, addressing the, the problem. So, in terms of those resources, uh, if you want to share it with our audience, we'll put it into like the CISA reports and, and the mm-hmm. K-12. We can put it in the, in the show notes. And mm-hmm. that's my invitation to everybody to check the show notes, to get in touch with you, David, if you want to share your social media, your, your way to get in touch with you and maybe to learn more about what you're doing for, for this problem. So thank you very much, David. Um, I really appreciate it. Marco, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Very cool. Thank you. BugCrowd's award-winning platform combines actionable contextual intelligence with the skill and experience of the world's most elite hackers to help leading organizations identify and fix vulnerabilities, protect customers, and make the digitally connected world a safer place. Learn more at bugcrowd.com. Black Cloak provides concierge cybersecurity protection to corporate executives and high net worth individuals to protect against hacking, reputational loss, financial loss, and the impacts of a corporate data breach. Learn more at blackcloak.io. We hope you enjoyed this episode of If you learned something new and this podcast made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.